Everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio's first Friday Toast to the Arts and Park Show with the National Parks Arts Foundation. You all know we love them. The National Parks Arts Foundation has these amazing artists in residencies uh, where you, artists, whether it's a musician, a potter, a painter, a photographer, a filmmaker, let me see, poet, uh, writer, you know, whatever you do in the arts, right? Apply for these residencies. Uh, these opportunities are incredible. Because not only do you get to go to a national park unit, I mean, they also open to other parks, right? Not just national parks, but you get to be there for a full month. And like a lot of us think about, imagine that even if you own a business or no matter what you do in your professional world, a month to just actually decompress, create and produce and actually have that downtime where you can learn new skills, be in a different setting that really inspires your creativity. And that's what they do. And so they have these programs in places like Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, which we're gonna talk about today. Dry Tortugas National Park out in the Florida Keys where an artist can go with a partner because you're really on your own island off grid, which is amazing. And you get to create for a month. Uh, there's places like Chaco Canyon up in Northern uh, New Mexico. There's Fort Union, again, in northern New Mexico, but then you're in the rugged prairie with a fort, uh, which has got so much history, like Civil War history, Santa Fe National, uh, Santa Fe uh, Historic Trail history, like the list goes on. So in I encourage you to go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org to check it out. But today, we want to welcome Shark Heart. Shark Heart is Lara Ruggles, and she is joining us. She is actually from Tucson. You know, Nancy and I are from Tucson. Uh, that's our home base, but we've, you know, we're not really from anywhere. We've lived everywhere. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Um, but that's where our storage unit and our friends who are like our family, uh, where they live and where we are based. But we travel full time, and we're so excited to connect with a fellow Tucsonian <laughs> who is now in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, and she's there right now. So Welcome. How are you, Lara? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. That was a big introduction to the Parks Arts National Parks Arts <laughs> Foundation, right? But it is really uh, amazing. And I know that you also work in the nonprofit world, right? Um, yeah. So when you saw what they're doing from the nonprofit side, tell me like, to, like from the nonprofit side, then the artist side, what you thought about it. Sure. Well, I I actually I'll switch that order if you don't mind because go, go ahead. When I first found out about the National Parks Arts Foundation and these residencies, I was um I was kind of working a bunch of gig jobs. I wasn't in nonprofit world at that time. Oh. Um I was like touring regularly and you know coming back and delivering for like postmates or amazon or whatever you know wherever i could pick up shifts um when i was home and um i had a a professor in college who um and she's actually she's a really wonderful author melanie bishop um who did residencies regularly when i was in college and talked about 
residencies and, and recommended that all of her students apply for residencies. Um, and she was the person who originally sent me information about the National Parks Arts Foundation mm. and the Chaco Culture um, Residency mm. in particular. And then when I started looking into it um, and, and saw the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park Residency, I was like, oh my God, like it's, it's really ideally set up for a musician with like the vocal recording booth and the electric piano that's in the house. Um, and so I, I oh, really wow. had my eye on I didn't know one. they had that. I didn't yeah. know they had the piano in there. I knew there was yeah. a recording booth, but I didn't know that the piano was there. Yeah, oh, dear. there's this like, beautiful, oh. like this beautiful white electric piano that looks like a baby grand. Um, okay. I've been I've been playing a lot on that. Um, and so I started applying for this residency. Gosh, must have been in twenty. 2018 or so like pre-pandemic yeah um I I joked that I was going to spend the whole stipend on on application fees before I got it but that I was just going to (laughs) keep applying you know um because it it's been a dream of mine it for you know since I was in college and since I found out that residencies were a thing it's been a dream of mine to do a residency like this um and this one in particular is just ideal in so many ways for, for what I create. Um, Oh, and the, I, I just want to go back to what you say. I know I I want you to continue on that, but when you said residencies were a thing, that's actually an interesting thing. So I want to touch on that now or later that it's a thing because I want artists that are up and coming or maybe Mm -hmm. like you said, didn't understand their thing. What is the thing? Not yeah. the, not the, not the, the, you know, crazy movie from way right. back when. <laughs> <laughs> or the signs you see on the highway. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, God, yes, well, I know near New Mexico. Exactly. Yep. It's yeah. coming. The thing. Well, five more my, miles. <laughs> my professor um, has done like residencies at U-Cross in Wyoming and residencies at other places as well. And there's there's places all over the country besides the National Parks Arts Foundation um, that host residencies and offer like living accommodations um, and in some cases stipends to artists for a certain amount of time. Um and, and the whole idea is like, take some time away from your life, like take some time to, to really get into the creative process and not have to um, be distracted by other work obligations and, and really create new work and focus on creating mm. new work. Um, and like, it's just such a dream to be able to do that because how often do you get to step back from, from all of the other obligations that you have? in life. And, and I've noticed that as someone who works a full-time job, I'm able to continue creating music. Um, I continue playing shows. I continue recording and releasing songs, but what really stops for me when I'm working full-time is the the songwriting. Like I just, I, I can't sink in to the kind of like slowed down time that I need to be able to access in order to get to the writing of a song. 
um, mm. when I'm Oh, when and I'm that's important because your lyrics are brilliant and you're, you're oh, singing thank and, you so and much. music. No, no, I, I really like, I, I was listening and I'm like, oh, I'm, like, why didn't I know you when I was in Tucson, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But we had our head, but this is the thing, we had to go on the road to actually snap us out of the work sphere, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. exactly what you're talking about, we're on the road full time just to force us to keep doing our, our tour. Otherwise, yeah. you you just keep putting it off. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we kind of actually didn't do much of Tucson while we were in Tucson. Like, that's uh-huh. kind of sounds stupid, but that's exactly jump out but oh, getting into your music yeah um, your lyrics are so you 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 make us stop and think and mm-hmm. feel and i think that's really brilliant and and the fact that you can do it so easily with the melodies it's like it's already catchy you're already in and it's like okay you're, <laughs> you're just you're, you're i just kept listening i don't even know what song what where i just kept listening so i got oh, stuck on everything you. on Bandcamp, on youtube and Everything, everyone go to sharkheart.com and that's shark with two K's and heart with two T's. So sharkheart.com, and we'll talk about the name later, but that that's something like, I think you're really right about, you know, having that break away. I mean, we know it as writing, writing for, you know, with our magazines and everything. It's like, you actually need this time out to actually yeah. do a good job to create. We can keep producing and doing all this production side mm-hmm. like the showmanship side and all of that but to actually think and create the like the lyrics that you create which yeah. I think are phenomenal um mm. yeah how do you get to that point where it actually is going to hit home for the person listening well um I feel like pretty reliably like if I try to sit down at my piano and just like write something in the middle of like a busy work week Hmm. nothing comes out. Like the words just are not there. I can fiddle around on the piano. I can play some chords. I might be able to get to something that like feels interesting musically, but like the words are just not there, but pretty reliably. If I take a couple of days away from home in like a, a natural setting Hmm. and I go out on a hike and I find a place to sit, And it's like my second or third day away from like life responsibilities. If I just sit out in nature with a notebook and like put the pen to paper, things happen. Like it, like things just come through. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of experiences. So pre-December, I hadn't written a song in like two years. Oh, I worked I worked so hard throughout the pandemic and, and ended up in a new, um, a new job. Like I saw you on, on the videos, you know, trying to raise funds for the Rialto theater and, and, and your nonprofit that you're working with there and all this Mm -hmm. like that. It's so funny because most people are like, we didn't do anything. We just baked a whole bunch and drank a whole (laughs) bunch of wine. And then like, you're, you're like, ah, we kept going. You kept working. Yeah. So then by the, and I have friends like that. We're like the pandemic burned us out and now everybody's back to work. We're like, Oh, shut up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely found that my coping mechanism for the pandemic and for like, suddenly, you know, I, I worked at a music venue when the pandemic started mm. and I was taking time away from the music venue to go on tours with um, mm. 
Andrea Gibson, who's an incredible, incredible poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the touring got canceled. And then suddenly all the shows at the venue where I worked got canceled. And that like, I had nothing to do except for try and keep the entire music industry alive. (laughs) Mm. Um, So I just, I just really dove into the advocacy effort with the national independent venue association Mm. to, um, to get, federal funding allocated specifically for live entertainment venues, knowing that, you know, live music and comedy venues were in such a different position than Mm -hmm. any other business of like, not, not really having a way forward, you know, like we, we weren't food businesses that could suddenly become mobile. Right. Um, Right. But from what I learned, you kicked major butt with that. Didn't yeah, you get like a, it, a huge, it ended up, like the largest public funding? Yeah, like, it, it ended up being a $16 billion um, bill that was passed in Congress, which is the largest public rescue of the arts in U.S. history. You go so for that. Was, yeah. Holy yeah, cow. but it was, a, it was an incredible national effort um, with like so many venue owners and promoters and, and booking agents as well. Like so many folks throughout the music industry working together to put pressure on legislators and make it happen and, and tell the stories of what was happening in these venues. But so when you do something like that, your energy is you're, you're, you're beating the drum literally, right? Nonstop. And you can't let one person go off of it. Right. You can't, it's like, yeah. Every, every, and everything goes into that effort. Yep. So you understand politics now more than probably most of us in regards to voting and getting someone elected or taken down. (laughs) Well, and honestly, like politics is not that different from like building any kind of relationship or like booking shows. Like it's kind of a game of just putting yourself in front of someone enough times that suddenly your name is familiar to them and they feel like they know you, even if you're the person that continues to, to show up, you know, and no one else is making that introduction. I think showing up is one of the most underrated, like skills in life is show up. Absolutely. Well, and and for you to get the residency, right. You said, I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. And it sounds simple. It sounds simple, but it takes a lot of energy to show up. It takes, it takes emotional resources and it takes, you know, physical resources that you have to be in a place where you can take that day off work, you know, um, Mm -hmm. to show up at the rally or to show up at, you know, um, a meeting with a legislator, like it takes, it takes resources. And I think that that's, um, that's what maybe people don't and, realize. And having to be like, while you're working your ass off, like yeah. turn around and be able to be fresh face, like, hi, like meantime, like, can you just sign this already? Can uh-huh. you just do it already? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you still yeah. have to be like, yay, <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. do this and make it happen. But you go through all this and meantime, so you understand it. I mean, during the pandemic, we did so many podcasts I mean, that's what thrust us into being like a three, three week show. Mm-hmm. We used to be a, a weekly show. And then now we're wow. daily plus 
plus. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, and the pandemic amazing. and, and I mean, our audience has stayed and grown from it. So mm-hmm. like the pandemic sucks because people died and people were sick, but yeah, like, honestly through that, you know, people were like, Oh, we, we've got time to listen. They still do. Thank you audience. Um, really. And, mm-hmm. and, but it is, it was tiring. Like Nancy and I were like, Oh my gosh. And we're still kind of balancing it all out because it's been super hectic with all of it. Right. But in, at the same time, balancing your music. So Mm -hmm. during that time, did anything go through your head about going through this busyness and standing up for something as an activist to write about, write Mm. music? Did any songs come from this for you or are they still working in you? I think I think the songs like I really had was not writing anything throughout that period because I was just throwing everything that I had into that effort and then um, so really, really no time job. for reflecting like, really not really, that much that's a hundred percent then um, more yeah, yeah but but like since de- about December I've been writing again I took mm. like a little five day retreat for myself in December. Um, and like I've had a couple experiences since December where, you know, I've, I've ended up out in nature with a notebook and, and just Ooh, where did you go? A complete you- song is ready to ready to just come right through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went to Joshua tree. Oh um, yeah. That's our old hometown yeah, too. December. We went from I, Joshua tree to Saguaro park, basically. Nice. That's yeah. Our homes. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So Joshua Tree will do that to you. Mm-hmm. There's something there. It had there. to be somewhere I could get to, like in, mm. in the half day's driving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that was really wonderful. And um, more recently, just a couple days ago, I was just sitting out at the estuary by Whittington Beach Park um, here in Hawaii, which is just such a beautiful place. Like I, I was there for an hour and a half. And I think I watched like six or seven sea turtles swim by. I saw that. I saw that on your, your Instagram and everyone. You've got mm-hmm. to follow her on Instagram because your videos and then you're doing reels with your music that are amazing. Oh, thank you. And so I was watching that with the turtles and going, oh, I want to like, like I, it, now, okay. Going to the ocean from mm-hmm. being in Saguaro National Park area, like the desert area, even mm-hmm. Joshua Tree, I always say it's ocean. It's the ancient sea was there, right? Because we, yeah. you know, there's shark teeth, there's everything. So do you feel a connection there? I love the ocean. I, I, my, I was born in Virginia and I grew up going to oh. Virginia Beach and um, Nags Head in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that the whole Outer Banks area. And I, I grew up swimming in the ocean. I, my mom was on swim team. And so she and my dad taught, taught us how to be like really strong swimmers and do all the strokes. Every time I get in the water, I still do a few strokes of butterfly in her honor. Um, oh. yeah, that was her stroke in, in college. And wow, um, that's hard. I remember trying to yeah. do that. You could, you could go <laughs> down if you don't get your legs back up. It is a tough stroke. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't do more than like 25 yards of it in a stretch. I I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I don't know if I can do three. And I think she did 200. (laughs) 
Um, God. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Um, but yeah, so I, I love the ocean. I, I'm very careful of it. Um, Mm -hmm. because I know no matter how much I love it and no matter how strong of a swimmer I am, like the ocean can do things that I cannot Mm -hmm. control. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't go into the water in like areas that, that are like, this is not a great area to swim. Be a really strong swimmer. If you're going to swim here, like, no, cause I know that suck I am, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Yeah. It'll it. suck you in. It'll suck yeah. you in. I, I grew up in the ocean too. And like in South Africa, and if you do, it'll either suck you in or a, a great, a great white will take you down. You know? so <laughs> right. You learn pretty quickly when your friends from high school come in with no arm. So mm, like, yeah, God, yeah, that's, it's true. I mean, it's mm. true, but it's, isn't that humbling? And and I yeah. would think Hawaii is kind of humbling with this, the whole, I, I think you should, I mean, everything is lava. lava tubes. I, yeah. The everything lava is lava. Yeah. And that's kind of humbling in, in not kind of, it, it's got to be, I haven't been there, yes. but I've been to, to volcanoes and stuff but like mm-hmm. seeing I mean I don't it's amazing to me how life comes after it but yeah you had a, a lava tube that was where a tree had been or something and mm-hmm. I'm looking at this going like holy cow this is humbling the ocean yeah. is humbling the hump yeah. the ocean and you obviously understand that humbling experience of nature but to connect mm-hmm. with her to be able to tap in mm-hmm yeah absolutely tapping in is good so going to the beach there you Mm -hmm. know and then going to lava tubes yep like do you want to play the tuba into the lava tubes (laughs) 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 i'm just saying like i just gotta like come on somebody has to blow something into the tube i know i I know (laughs) you should you should that would be fun Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to? I, I, don't I don't play I don't play any wind instruments or horns. Um well, sing into it. Sing into the that's tube. true. That's true. See what you could record back. it and see what it sounds like. Okay, I'll try that next time I'm there. Like seriously. Like that would be interesting as like <laughs> I have been taking a recorder inst- around with me. Not a not oh. like the recorder of the instrument, but like a little handheld pocket recorder yeah. and and recording some of the sounds that I'm hearing while I'm here. Um because I use a lot of samples in my music. Mm. And so um just trying to get little little snippets of things that I might be able to use later in a song. Um I was by uh Rainbow Falls out outside Hilo last week and um I was in this tree that where like this bird was singing so loudly and so clearly Mm. like I've never heard a bird song that close up and that loud and clear before and it just kept happening over and over so I got a recording of that and I'm hoping I'm hoping I can find a way to use that in a song before too long tell tell us a little bit about that because I was reading about your performance art and how you loop and and actually connect with the audience and I know you've done shows and by the time this airs you would have done another one in Hawaii and you've got more coming up in the southwest when you get home Mm -hmm. Um, but tell us about that the looping experience and how you involve the audience and Take us through that journey of what you're doing, because 
you know, there's bands and then I, and I, I have some friends. I don't know. If, do you know Ryan David Orr? Like out of no. Northern. Oh my God. You got, you both played at the Tucson Folk Festival. I'm going to oh, cool. connect you. So, but, you know, he does the looping thing too. And he, he had to walk oh, us nice. through it. Like we didn't know, yeah. like, how are you doing this? And how are you doing the samples? Because the samples mm-hmm. are kind of interesting. And I think that is some, this, we, we do, so many music interviews and musicians that are doing experimental electronic music. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Nancy the other day. I said, I think this is the wave of the, you know, 2020s on is experimental electronic music, but it's not just taking like there's hip hop and rap that are using samples from old songs. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like, I don't know if it's just us doing a bunch of interviews with a bunch of musicians doing this, <laughs> but taking music from nature or recording yeah. sounds that are every day, whether it's a cityscape or something mm-hmm. and incorporating it into their music because, you know, so yeah. I feel well, like the that's is, the new wave of mu- electronic wave. Sure. Well, there's music. so much you can do with it. And there's so many ways that you can manipulate a single sound um, mm-hmm. electronically. Like one of the sounds that's in one of um, that's in my song, this will hurt on my most recent album um, is it's just a marble that my friend and I dropped on a TV table. And when he manipulated it and changed some pitches and, um, and amplified certain things and, and took down other frequencies, um, it, it ended up sounding like actual thunder. And so we put that in a song. Yeah. Um, well, wait a minute, because how to love your video, you guys had like a little marble thing going on in there. Like you had a something on oh, the street. There was you know a what ring. I'm talking? It was a ring. Oh, it was a ring. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. It was a proposal. That was a trippy song. You guys like, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, we want to make this work. And then boom. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I have a really heightened like fear of losing things that I love. And so I think that comes out oh, wow. in, in the songs that I write. Like, Oh, I, okay. I can't, I can't just write like a, well, it's hard to just write like an unabashed love song because that love comes with fear in equal measure. And it's impossible not to, uh, for that not to make it into the song as well. Wow, because it's so interesting because you're so headstrong and you're getting people <laughs> to commit to things and fundraising for nonprofits and fundraising mm-hmm. and, hey, sign for this bill. And then, hey, I want to do Hawaii Volcanoes National Park Residency. I'm going to keep going. And, yep. Yeah. Hello. But isn't fear actually fuel? I think it definitely can be. Um I think there's ways to exist with it that are healthy and there's ways to exist with it that are really like not integrated and that, that really kind of um, keep you from, from the things that you'd actually like to be doing. And it's, you can't, you can't just ignore it and like, expect that it's not going to influence your life in negative ways. Um, but there's like a working with it that has to happen. As an artist, isn't it important to have all those feelings too? Yeah. I mean, I think it makes it easier to be an artist because there's 
constant material, you know, you never, there's never anything that happens in your life that you don't have some feeling about and that you don't, you know, feel like you need to process in some Mm. way. Um, Yeah. And maybe for longer than, I don't know. I feel like I'm a slow processor and that's, that's why I need music in my life because it's really hard for me to work my way through something without kind Mm. of looking at it from every angle through a song. Mm. Yeah, I understand. I understand. It's like, it's kind of a balance. You have to go through the different layers to get to the the nugget of the cake, you know, the king cake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got to find the baby in the cake. But no, no, no. Going back to the sampling. Yeah. I think that's kind of this interesting thing where it allows the freedom to be from the fear because it's, you know what I mean? It's like, Hey, this is the reality of it. I'm going to sure, stretch I mean, it and mess with it. Yeah. It's kind of a weird balance of stuff. It's I I have an interesting relationship with it. I started working with samples and, and building songs in Ableton because, um, I had been touring with a band and then, um, one of the folks in the band was my boyfriend at the time and we broke up and then the band kind of fell apart at the same time. And been there. I was, yep. <laughs> I was back kind of back in a situation where I was like playing solo again and I missed the fullness of the mm. band sound. And yeah. I wanted to be able to do things with my solo performances that sounded a little bit fuller and that built more sounds around the the basic like guitar and vocal or piano and vocal. And so I started building arrangements with samples kind of in order to be able to, to loop vocals Yeah, um, in Ableton, like looping oh. vocals was the goal. And then I needed, I needed the samples to give me the tempo <laughs> mm-hmm. um, to stay locked into um, in order to loop the vocals in Ableton in particular. Um, and so what I do with samples is usually fairly simple and straightforward. And usually I'm working out of like a lot of the kind of starter packs that um, that come with Ableton or that you can download for free when you have the software. Um, I don't I don't do as much like creative manipulation as a lot of folks out there because really the samples are um, like, I try to find a sound that's already close to what I'm looking for. um, And the samples are more of a vehicle to be able to loop Mm -hmm. the vocals and like build those, those um, sort of richer layered vocal arrangements. I want, I want to back up a little bit because people aren't hearing what we're talking like they're not hearing the sounds like like when you're in a show you can explain that part Mm -hmm. um so when you're sampling so there's you're creating the beat and so when when you see someone performing Mm -hmm. they go here i've created the beat and then it goes boom 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 right and then hey i'm adding this in and then you'll start adding like this and and it'll build Mm -hmm. and during the show you can remove right you can remove something at a point and stop and and slow Mm -hmm. so it's almost like you can you could record a whole new song right on the spot even yeah if you I mean that's a little like 
old. No, there's, like, there's definitely that, artists I'd be who, nervous who about that. can do that. <laughs> I'd be a little um, nervous, but you know, um, but like even, can you, can you, can you, you were talking about keeping in, in like, I remember I was in a band and in front of the band, I can play guitar, but yeah. not like anything that anyone really needs to hear. And because of that, it was actually slowing down my songwriting. My songwriting is mm-hmm. fine, but I couldn't translate it better. Like, you know, anyway, that was way back when. And sure. then, like, I, I, yes, everybody broke up. Everything. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. We had a big band and the whole thing went to, and I ended up performing with oh. some other people that were very noteworthy and I don't know if you've heard can heat and all that stuff, but it, it was good back in the day. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. Um, but I did some gigs on my own and here I was with my guitar going ding, 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 ding. And my voice is carrying everything. Right. Yeah. And like at Nancy, you know, my mom's all this in there goes, she's like, you're just doing ding, ding, ding on your guitar. Like what the <laughs> hell? And I'm like, dude, I needed to slow down and turn the page. Like, sure. no. So ding, ding, ding. And it was like, it was lame. And I was like, I don't want to do karaoke because you'd see singers just go there and sing karaoke. I'm like, right. no, I want to do originals. I can't play karaoke. Anyway, I've got to watch my language stuff. That's not sure. who I am. So like, where was, and this wasn't there then. And or may, I think it was at the beginning, but I was like, dude, that's mm-hmm. geek stuff. Right. But sure. Yeah, I wish you know, I, I have a it. friend. Yeah. I have a friend in Tucson who has like a Boss 808, which is like a looper um, station. And she, and it's like eight tracks and she'll do entire sets that are in, it's just all built on vocal loops. And she'll, she'll wow. create like percussion and bass lines from vocals of vocals that she then pitch shifts down. Um, yeah. And then she'll add like, vocal lines like on top of that that kind of provide a bed for her main vocals isn't that the girl who rest in um big black horse in the cherry tree what was the the lady who did that um oh yeah katie tunstall but no this friend her name is jillian Bassett. she's she's amazing Um, she sounds familiar that that's a familiar name to me yeah but that katie tunstall she did that and that's Mm -hmm. how she she ended up in front of millions of people doing it and i think that's the thing solo artists can embrace this so you can slow it because that's the thing like if you're doing an original you may want to slow something down and and keeping beat was important mm-hmm. and and when you're doing an original or if you're a singer songwriter you have that tendency if you're just sitting with your guitar to, or piano or whatever to like suddenly lose time all right <laughs> so when you have a beat like you're saying that can help you stay on track but if you want to slow it down, you can, right? You can kind of go, hey, whoa, pony, I need to slow it down for a second or can't, or does it have to stay in that zone? Uh, it depends which, it depends what system that you're working oh, with. Um, okay. And yeah, yeah, there's, you can definitely like change tempos um, working in the software like Ableton, um, but you kind of generally have to know at where those tempo changes are going to be and have them programmed in ahead of time. Oof. Um, and like with, a, so you with better a, stay on your stuff. You yeah, better, exactly. Like recording with, some, like, yeah, you better stick to the music. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, but for what an a good example, exercise. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, there's so 
I have a song called nothing but family and like it kind of starts off with a little bit of a vocal line with a beat behind it that's like and then um later on in the song I'm looping a phrase where I say um when we don't feel safe gotta save each other when we don't feel safe and then the next line I add a harmony so I say when we don't feel safe gotta save each other when we don't feel safe and then on top of that there's the a line that um says you cannot take one of us out without taking both of us down and so then by the time that we get to kind of the climax of the song all of that is happening all on top of each other wow yeah wow so and, you just and then have i'm to singing the chorus have on a clear top head of that. to do this yeah yeah you have to you you do have to be really clear so you're playing producer in a way yeah so when you yeah. when you did when you did like your your latest album did that mm -hmm. help you know how to record your album absolutely um it was actually easier because instead of recording like the vocals and the keyboard or the or the guitar and then trying to figure out what the other layers were that were going to be added the layers were already there they were already built and so it was recording vocals and keys or guitar into and along with what was already there and then figuring out if there were extras that we wanted to add yeah. um but it felt like being able to start out a lot further ahead wow so this mm -hmm. is really interesting about where we're going and it gives mm -hmm. more independence to the writer yeah yeah it does because band drama happens I mean, I remember with our band, we thought we were going to be like, we're like Fleetwood Mac. We'll make it through mm -hmm. anything. Oh, yeah. hell no, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of interesting. So being in, in Hawaii Volcanoes, now mm -hmm. taking those sounds, so you're able to use those as samples. So like it could be, I seriously, I want to, I, I really would be curious if you just did a note in the lava tube and recorded it what you could do with it like maybe it would sure. be a baseline like or what kind of you know echo what I mean? might be there sure yeah like that could be used as like a bass sound or Who is knows? that how it would work for for this or like i think if you... it depends it depends on what the what the natural sound ended up being like and what what sort of associations that would inspire and and what i was looking for for a particular song because typically i'll start out i'll have a song written and then I'll be like, what do I, what does this song need? What do I need to add to this for it to feel full and complete? Um, and so I'll start to hear kind of possible ghost ideas of sounds. I'll be like, oh yeah, it would be great if there was a beat that kind of like, like a backbeat that kind of did this um, with a kick. Mm. Um or it would be great if there was like a baseline that kind of did something like this. And then it's like trying to find the sound that I can plug in to the, to that yeah. place. Um, and so yeah. like adding those sounds to kind of my bank and just working through yeah. and, and seeing, does this work for this spot? Does, if I manipulated it in this way, could it work for this? 
Wow. So sampling is so huge. And like, that's what we keep talking about. Like, uh, it's over pretty overwhelming, over. actually. And that's why that's why what I do with it is how do you simple. even categorize it? How do you go high pitch, low pitch? Like how, like, how do you <laughs> categorize? This was the lavitude part one, three, four, five, because like one time I did this, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I sang in a high, you know, C and then next thing you know, it's like, you know, it's like high. <laughs> right. Well, C, I think, you know? I think depending on the character of this, of the original sound, you know, if I, if I sang into a lava tube and it made kind of like a deep resonant echo, you know, then I might, um, I might like put it in the same bucket with like other sounds that make kind of a deep resonant echo with a pitch. If you see, we've gotten, we've, we geeked out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. People are all going, what the heck are you talking about? But, but this is what you do at your shows, right? And and you did that recently, right? You explained this at, at, at a performance at, at the park at Hawaii mm-hmm. Volcanoes National Park. Tell yeah, us about that. Once I'm performing, I have everything pretty much ready to go. Like the arrangements are already built. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm looping. I'm doing the live, the vocal loops live, but everything Don't else tell is the already cops built. that you're looping. Excuse me. <laughs> Do not tell the police. She's looping. I'm looping. Um, yeah. Everything else is already built and, and pre-recorded and ready to go. Um, and yeah, like I'll, I'll start and I'll kind of like trigger um, a scene or something that something that starts the song off. And then I'm kind of just playing along to that um, until I get to the place in the song where the looping starts. And Mm. depending on whether I'm also playing keys as this happens, um, the loops might already be like reset to like um, start recording at a certain time in the song, or I might be triggering them with my computer keyboard. So you basically have to be on your game. Super on my uh, game. Like, like really? four things at once on my game. So there's no wine before the performance is what you're telling me. I can have about half a glass. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Any, half a glass is like the sweet spot. Any more <laughs> than that and things go downhill. Okay. We don't want the downhill. Because nope. you could end up in a caldera, from what I heard. Yeah, <laughs> we don't caldera. need that. <laughs> no. But now, so tell, tell me about, like, being in Hawaii, and mm-hmm. you, you're in the, the amazing art house, right? Oh, it's so uh, beautiful. Yes. You're the first person who told us about the electronic piano. Um, that's, oh, that's amazing. Probably uh, because so- that's, that's one of the things that, like, really makes this um, just a prime spot for me in particular. Yeah, that's really beautiful that you have that. That's mm-hmm. I think that people have just talked about the piano, but I didn't realize like, ooh, it kind of feels like the imagine, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like, you know, yep. and then you've got a view and then good coffee down the now yes. are you enjoying the coffee? Because the last person I talked to doesn't didn't drink coffee and I went, You went to Hawaii? Like what? <laughs> have you had the coffee? I am enjoying the coffee. I actually have I've I've I love coffee coffee but I only drink decaf but I've broken that while I'm here for for the coffee and I now she's climbing the lava tubes yeah um (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. But I found like a, I found a variety of coffee from one of the local firms, Ka'u Coffee, um, that, um, that has like 40% less caffeine than average. Oh, cool. so, oh, so it's kind of like alcohol. Like you could, you could get a balance of how much alcohol you want in wine. Like mm-hmm. can't drink this. It's got a little bit too much so we can balance this out. That's cool to know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we never think of it that way. Hey, that, that's another learning. So what, going through what, where you've been all over, I know you've been touring as well, like going and doing, you know, performances, you have more. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been the most inspirational thing for you in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park? Just out oh, of like, gosh. oh, I've got to write. Like, I think my favorite, my favorite place is the estuary by Whittington Beach Park. That's been such an amazing place to just like, yes, oh my gosh. And all the fish and like, it's just such a beautiful spot. And I heard such a beautiful story about how it came to be there and be protected the other day. Mm, um, tell, tell. Well, it was bought by a developer who was going to build like lux- luxury condos around the estuary. And I'm just going to tell the really short version of the story mm-hmm. that Wendy at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park Kahuku unit um, told me the, yesterday um, that it was bought by a developer the community was like, no, this cannot happen. Like you cannot build luxury condos. And the developer was like, to their credit, like very open to like, okay, if you don't want luxury condos, I'll sell the land. Like I don't need to build luxury condos that badly. Um, And so there was like a community effort to convince the county to buy the land and the county was like, that's not really our priority right now. Like our buying land is not our priority. And, but if the county would put up like the first um, part of the money, then there was like city or state money and federal money that was available. And, um, and so there was like a videographer who spent a lot of time there filming footage of the estuary and beach park. And he caught on film the moment that a monk seal swam into the estuary. And so they like took that to a council meeting and showed it at the council meeting and like had everyone in tears and, and the County was like, okay, we'll, we'll contribute the money. Wow. Um, and, And so then the County ended up, um, buying and preserving the land. Wow. So the arts mm-hmm. saved it. Yeah. Yeah. The arts and community action, you yeah. know, and that's so activism, yeah. right? I mean, yes. national Showing parks up. become national parks for, you know, it's public land and it was, mm-hmm. it, they only be created, they're only created because of public input. They don't yeah, get created out of like somebody going willy nilly. Yeah. It yes. takes community. It takes the community to say, this is a special spot. Yes. And and the arts have played every role in our national park system, mm-hmm. you know, all the way from Yellowstone to Hawaii, as you're just saying. Yeah. So that's amazing. That's amazing. So yeah. here you are. You're, you're talking about something completely different. I mean, we've mm-hmm. done so many interviews with artists, comedians, filmmakers, musicians in Hawaii. And you come in with a fresh perspective, just like <laughs> each person does, but each person does. And that's this beauty that I find amazing about this residency program. Mm -hmm. And for us, like we traveled to national parks and we went 
done so many interviews like on Chaco and then we went to Chaco and it was like a whole different experience to experience a park after you've talked to artists that have been there mm, yeah because you're experiencing the art through their like I've seen their art we've put them on the website and magazines and talked to the artists and then so when we're there like mm-hmm. I'm going oh I see where they did this and why and yeah. how oh I yeah. get it so yeah. it was like two like 20 realms of an experience versus you know going into a, it was just different like yeah it's it's special yeah. And so for music, what, what happens for you? How do you take your experience to the world as a musician and a songwriter? That's an interesting question. Um, I've, I've had this relationship with music where it is really hard. It's really hard to feel this intense call to create in this way and not have any path really or any clear or sure path to making it into a consistent livelihood. And so being in a position where I need another job um, and then I have to balance the demands of the other job with somehow still having time and energy to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had multiple, at, I, this is a long way of answering your question, but I've had it's multiple right. um, times in my life and in my creative process where I've kind of reached this decision to like intentionally give up, like like, I can't do this. I can't make this into the livelihood that I want and need to make it into. So I'm just not going to do it anymore at all. And because I process things through songs, when I make a decision like that, and it's like very full of grief, um, I write a song about it. And then I feel like that song is maybe the best thing that I've written yet. And that it has to be shared with the world. And so then I, I, it, it like renews my passion for mm-hmm. continuing to pursue music. The song that I wrote about deciding mm-hmm. to give up on music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so I don't, I don't know if I've answered that question no, no. for myself no. of like how I like, that is the question. How do we share music with the world? How do we find our audience as artists in a landscape that is so oversaturated with so many folks, like, trying to do this thing that they're called to do and um, and trying to, like, stand out in this incredibly... Mm-hmm. Um, this crowd that's just thick with so many folks doing it um, and so many folks who have a passion for it and like no um, mm-hmm. not a lot of like rhyme or reason toward what toward what breaks through um, and also kind of like this landscape where if if you're savvy about like social media and social media marketing then you have a much better chance than if you're just good at music, you yeah. know? And that's something that I really struggle with, but, but I'm trying to put energy there because I recognize that it's important. Um, 
and and it it's it's a piece of the puzzle oh i've 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 like 10,000 answers <laughs> one is yeah it, it's yeah there's no answer it's number yeah. one number two mm-hmm. i i, I want to just go on the national parks arts foundation i think what they do and that you're juried in right so mm-hmm. when you apply yeah it's it's like from different perspectives and it just comes with this is today and so every time like if you don't get accepted the next time it it just is what's the pool of people what's the it's, yeah. it's like one of those yeah. magical things that happen and mm-hmm. so i always say like people just keep applying just like what lara has done is keep applying yeah because you well, never know it, what your day is going to be you know it yeah and if you look at like contests like the NPR uh tiny desk contest mm. like the winners God, of that, that contest the last like two or three years in a row have been folks who have applied for four or five years running exactly exactly and it's like don't you know you're gonna put your all into it but it's actually that whole process of putting your all into it which you do it, it helps Lara. you grow as an artist like exactly when you, when you make these applications and you make these videos and you try to do better than you did the last time you know mm-hmm. it it helps you grow as an artist and it see? helps you see your own growth see you just did one of those answers see, <laughs> you, you did it but i also want to say i think what sets npaf apart national parks arts foundation from other residencies maybe Mm -hmm. um from what you know just doing a gazillion interviews over i think it's seven eight nine years i don't know how many years yeah is that they allow just like you said i don't know yet yeah allow artists to come into the program Mm -hmm. change their perspective they have to do a pitch artists as you apply and again no matter what you're doing in digital art whatever it is you apply Hey, this is my idea. Mm-hmm. And they all know by the time you get there, it's going to completely change yeah. or stay on track. They know you're going to do something later because number one, it's good for your resume. Number two, this is an experience that's going to stick with you. It's going to come out somewhere. And it does. There's yeah. still, I mean, to the day, this day, um, there's artists that were the very first residency that are still creating from it. So yeah. coming on, even on our podcast, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, they well, understand the value of art. Did, did you that? Do you feel that freedom is helpful for you as a musician to be able to grow and actually just go breathe a fresh <laughs> breath of fresh air to be able to yeah. do? Oh, absolutely. Because if you try to hold yourself too tightly to an original vision of what something is going to look like, often it just like stymies the creative process moving forward at all. Mm-hmm. I remember, do you remember when Sufjan Stevens had announced that he was like going to make an album, like 50 albums, one about each state? No. And then, okay. So he, he was working, he re- released an album about Illinois and I think he released an album that was about another state and he had said that he was going to like do this entire 50 album project where he made an album for each state in the United States. And then two or three years went by and no albums came out. And then the next album that he released was about 
his parents and his relationship with his parents. And it was like very, very touching um, and like very vulnerable. And I think, I'm not sure if he said it out loud. I think he may have in an interview that like that, the 50 States project was just once he had like set that container for himself, it was just Mm. like too much. And it was, it was like stopping the other creative work that wanted to come through him. Um, mm. And so, <laughs> and You're so on he Big had Blend to abandon I think you, I think we understand you and yeah. what he is saying. Yes, yeah. And I, I <laughs> felt so relieved as an artist when he said that, like when he kind of gave up that project, because I felt like if, if it was actually possible for an artist to do a project and stay focused on a project that that dense and that um, all encompassing, that like I must be failing as an artist if I couldn't stay that focused. And mm. <laughs> and for him to like give that up was like, oh, oh, Thank he's God. he's like, yeah, he's like beholden to the same creative spirits that the rest of us are and he has mm. to also just listen to what the call is that's like um, it's like comedians have to go with a bomb like that's yep. like bombing right and you're like yeah. damn it but yep. you know you have to do it and pick yourself up immediately with something yeah. and something must have happened to rock his world and go well this is more important and yep. that is what life is about right you can yeah. have all these dreams and goals and be like, I'm going to do this. And then life comes in and goes, no, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh, mean, no. I came into this residency with this idea for an album, like mm. focused on, focused on like anthems that oh. are anti-capitalist and some of that has come out, nothing fully formed while I'm here, but like the one fully formed song that has come out is like about that fear in love. You know, it's like another, another one of those. And I have to just let that, I have to let that be what comes. And so having the freedom to do that is, it's a really incredible gift. I also can't like the, the things from a nonprofit perspective, the things that the National Parks See, Arts you kept us on track. I just want to give you has to go on. through <laughs> yes. to make these residencies happen for artists are heroic, like <laughs> so heroic that all the different government sign offs that they have to get <laughs> and all of the things that they have to coordinate in order to make this possible for artists and the fact that they offer artists a stipend on top of that so that like your living expenses and your travel expenses are covered and you don't have to like spend your entire savings in order to make this opportunity happen is just it's all it's so incredible it's it's such an incredible thing that they're doing i i agree it's huge Mm -hmm. and from what you know, when people get home, it's interesting. We have these reunion radio shows. I hope you come on one next year. Every end of the year, like beginning of the next year, we do this. And we hear things that just keep coming from mm-hmm. this experience and how it just the ripple effect is huge for artists. And mm-hmm. that means it's huge for others. And so I'm, I'm 
really interested to hear what comes from you as you, I know you said you've got, um, when you get home, you have um, gigs lined up, right, for June? You want to tell people yeah. about it? Yeah, so I'm going to be in Taos, New Mexico on June 9th at Taos Mesa nice. Brewing, which is so exciting because I love that venue so much. Um, I've always felt like so taken care of there as an artist. I've played there multiple times pre-pandemic when I was on the road a lot. Mm. And they had a fire um last year and they've been rebuilding since then and so they're just opening back up and starting to host oh wow we were there during the pandemic yeah it's such a beautiful place um love towels yeah so i'm really excited to be back there on june 9th and then um june 18th i'll be in tucson for a solo show and then June 28th, I'll be also in Tucson for a full band show. And then July 1st, I'll be in Bisbee, Arizona for the first Bisbee. time at the quarry. Sweet. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Cool. So everyone, uh, you know, just keep up with Laura. Go to her website and uh, it is sharkheart.com. And that's shark with two Ks and heart with two Ts. Before yeah. you go, you got to tell us about Sharkheart. Sure. Well, Shark Heart is the name that I started performing under when I um, when I started using samples and doing vocal looping because I felt like I was taking my music in a little bit of a different direction. Um, and I, I released a couple of albums under my own name. So if you search on like Spotify or Apple Music for Lara Ruggles, you'll find a, a whole different set of work than if you search for Shark Heart. Um, but Sharkheart, um, the idea behind the name was sort of like that combination of, of fierceness and vulnerability mm-hmm. that, that I feel like activism requires, um, and that I feel like also art requires, um, and, and extreme being balance able to bring together, <laughs> yeah, being able to bring together, like the art and the activism and, and I think when I started writing songs and performing as Shark Heart, um, I was writing music and I continue to, that was a lot more um, pointed about like the commentary that I was making around like political issues mm-hmm. and um, really how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a, that's a, a thread that has continued to be present in the music that I've made since, since I started performing under this new name. I think it's cool. I think, you know, we always do band names, but what about solo names, you know? Mm-hmm. It's nice. You know? It's nice to have a name that isn't my own name because it, being a musician, it can be so discouraging and you you have to absorb so many blows that feel so personal but they're not. And mm. performing under a different name for me yeah. somehow makes them feel less personal. It's like an author does that, you know, yeah. here's my pen name. And uh-huh. that way they get to have, you know, if they want to write exotica or erotica, exotica, <laughs> you yeah. know, sci-fi weird stuff, they can. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest genre, by the way, yeah. <laughs> that people buy. They want 
I don't know what's going on. People are reading some interesting (laughs) things. It's like the bodice rippers have gone to sci-fi bodice rippers. That's all Mm -hmm. I'm saying with other weird stuff like sprinkled in and like, that's what it is. So the people that are writing this like historical novels will go, let me write the sci-fi bodice ripper. And um, here's that name, you know, so I can do what I really need to do to make the money. That's I'm doing the bodice ripper for the money and I'm doing this over here, but, but it's also, it is interesting. And, And also then there's a lot of people doing names just out of like, this is this project, this is that project. And mm-hmm. I think we're going back to what you were saying in the beginning of our conversation is, you know, this whole thing where we have to be everything all the time, or we committed to this massive project. And Nancy and I do this with our business and yeah. we're committed to what we do. But anytime I call any one of our people and you know who you are, um, <laughs> they go, God, what have you changed now? Well, because it is life is always changing and if you stick yourself into a pigeonhole like that doesn't work you can say I'm in the arts why don't you just say that because Mm -hmm. one day she may be painting Lara may be painting Mm. while she performs music who knows and it's you know it nothing if I did yeah if I did it would probably all be horses because that's the only thing that I ever got good at drawing Hey, hey, well, you're in the Southwest, <laughs> right? You're in Salado yeah. land. Yeah. Oh, I, you, you make me a little homesick, even though we're talking about Hawaii and everything else. But, ah, man. Yeah, Tucson is an amazing place, too. Tucson. It is. Um, oh, I grew up is. there. My family moved there while I was growing up. And um, I hated it because it was so different than Virginia, where I was born. Um, I thought you lived in Colorado, too. I did. I I decided that I was going to move away from Arizona as soon as I possibly could. And before I graduated college, I moved to Colorado and I stayed there for almost a decade and then rent blew up and I couldn't afford it anymore. So I came back to Tucson to, to like spend a couple months living with my parents and figure out what was next. And it turned out that coming back to Tucson after a a long time away, I really fell in love with it. And I, Mm. I realized all of the things that make it special and that make it really unlike anywhere else on earth. Um, But you don't want to live there because it's, it's really, really hot in the summer. I, I I don't, I'm, I'm just saying that so that like not too many people move and it doesn't become like, yeah, don't become. Yeah. I really love that too. I really love it. Overgrowing too, like certain spaces. Mm -hmm are overgrowing and and Tucson it's like you don't realize there's over a million people because mm-hmm. it's so spread out in the foothills you know but yeah and there's so much history but it's diverse culturally mm-hmm. diverse biology you know d- ecologically diverse I should say yeah and absolutely. um you know food and brews and wine and I always tell people like you want to go to Arizona you need to go there like that yeah. has it I mean, a, and you have five seasons because of the monsoons, which just started already. Yeah. Which is amazing, right? We get excited. Mm-hmm. When you don't have a monsoon for a couple of years, you get itchy. Like, you're just like, we need this to break now. Yep. Like, yep. break, break it. Yep. Where did you live in Colorado? I was back and forth between Netherland and Boulder and Denver. Oh, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, in mountain land. And then you were in yeah. Virginia. Where were you in Virginia? 
Richmond. Ah, we just oh, left yeah. that area. Yeah, we were in oh, Lorton. Nice. Lorton, wow. I think near there. I think we were near you. I think cool. all I know is I got lost everywhere, but it's all good. And <laughs> yeah, um, because nothing is on a grid in, no. in for Richmond. It's all everything curves in a million different directions. All I know is there's beltways, and you can end up in DC if you uh-huh. take the wrong turn. Yeah. And no, no, Shanene, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> no, I will. I will. That's 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 crap. I'll I will go back because it's beautiful. I yeah. mean, we were in the Chesapeake Bay at one point. I'm like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? This is beautiful. Yeah. Artist residency there, Tanya. Tanya yeah. Ortega, do you hear us? Do you- <laughs> residency in the Chesapeake Beautiful. Even it if you have really, to cross really that beautiful. stupid bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> it's beautiful. but Tanya, I, I want to give a shout out to her because she is Absolutely. an amazing photographer who just said, artists need more representation and I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And she stands up and I know she's got an incredible board and incredible people around her to make this yeah. all happen. So shout out to everybody at National Parks Arts Foundation, everyone, sharkparts.com. Yep. That's two K's, two T's, nationalparksartsfoundation.org. And of course, we're here every first Friday doing this show. So keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. All the links are in the show notes. You can catch it there. So thank you so much. It has been a pleasure, Lara, to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all mine. We've got nothing but time. Time would have us believe. But he's a thief. Time will take it all from me.